plenty of decks don't get to draw three cards for one mana. Well, I mean, all the good ones do. Hi, I'm Jake. And I'm Matt. And we are Cantrip Cartel. I still don't know what to say here, but we begin on a bit of a somber note. So this week we start our episode with a small moment of remembrance for a very dear friend of ours, Derek. Derek passed away last week. Uh, Derek is a very, very close friend of Matt's, and so I'm going to let him lead this conversation, at least to start it. Yeah. Um, uh, Derek took his own life on Wednesday, last Wednesday, and uh, yeah, it fucking sucks, to be perfectly honest. Uh, he and I have known each other since second grade. Um, and Matt's pretty old. That's a long yeah, time. Yeah, I'm 36. Yeah. So we've known each other for almost 30 years. Not that you being young would make it any less impactful. <laughs> no, but I mean, the years count. You'll get some. You'll get some humor here. Both of yeah. our both of our coping mechanisms run through humor. Yeah. But it, in honesty, it's not funny. Yeah. So, um, my parents and I moved up from. I was a uh, born in Lafayette. Then we moved up to Goshen. We bounced in fact bounced back and forth between Lafayette and Goshen. Um, but we moved when I was the summer basically the summer before second grade. I think, if I'm remembering correctly. And uh, Derek actually just lived across the street. Mm -hmm. So we rode the bus together and became friends and went to the same school together for 12 years or 10 years. Um, lived together after high school. Uh, went to college together. Uh, both dropped out together. Mm -hmm. uh, we worked at Pizza Hut together for several years. Um, basically for like 10 or 12 years straight, we spent pretty much every day together. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So... And then, yeah, I moved back down to Lafayette with my wife so she could go to school. Um, yeah, so played a lot of magic. Um, his uh, One of his stepdad's friends, Sam, I believe, taught them how to play magic. And his stepdad didn't really take to it, but um, he taught Derek how to play. Derek and I had been playing a game called Battletech, the uh -huh. card game, Yeah. Um, before that, which we were in, you know fourth or fifth grade n didn't have any idea how to actually play mm -hmm. we yep. were just playing mechs and trying to figure out how to pay for their costs and then attacking each other and in that game you actually the primary way of winning is effectively milling your opponent i've seen a lot of games like that yeah so like when you attack them they can block and anything that gets through uh, mills them and when they're out of cards in their deck uh they're dead so we'd play that <clears throat> and then about in sixth grade that's when he was taught how to play magic and then uh -huh. we started playing at lunch and then we fell in, uh, we'd all kind of went to the same elementary school together. So that's, I've uh, mentioned before, it was me, Derek, Joe, Brian, Ryan, Mike. We all went to school together, mm -hmm. all played magic together, and all are still friends to this day. So think like the Sandlot. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> if you've ever, I mean, that's basically what it was. It's The Sandlot's one of my favorite movies. And like the reason why is like that kind of stuff really rings true for me. Yeah. Like we had that very, like, very close tight-knit group of friends mm -hmm, mm -hmm. so yeah he's gone unfortunately unfortunately so it's very sad uh i only became good friends with derek in the last year or two yeah but definitely became good friends i keep a very tight circle i was talking to my wife the other day like there's probably like six people in my life that i consider good friends like and that includes like my mom my dad mm -hmm. even her mother because i you know my my mother-in-law is actually a really great person uh you probably amanda Derek, there's not a lot of people. Maybe uh, Mark and Nadi with the horse barn. A very, there's a very small number of people. Yeah, less than ten in a in a close circle. And Derek was certainly one of them. He quickly became one of them. He was he was a, the, a very rare kind of person where he was a he was a good person. 
Yep. Um, there's a lot of people you meet in life who are not good people, and he was a very good person. He's a good father. He's a very good magic player. He's very good death and taxes. And it hit me pretty hard when Matt called me. Was it Wednesday night? Yeah. Wednesday night. To That's when I found out, and then I went through know. the uh, process of calling all of our friend group. So Matt and I never talk about uh, emotional or mental health on here. Uh, and we, I'll be honest, we're not going to go forward. We're not going to like have a mental hour every other week or something. But please talk to somebody. If those are if those are fights you are having with yourself, if that's a battle you are having, like Derek had, uh, and Derek had Matt for a long time. He's had he's had bouts with depression, and and he's fought that fight. Talk to people. Uh, I'm gonna going forward. I'm gonna put the um. I it's it's gotten changed to like seven one one or something. The uh, suicide hotline. The United States Suicide Hotline. I'm going to start putting it in our show notes. I'll put it there every week. I do not know if it'll help anybody. But if it helps one person, having one more access to it. But it hurts the people closest to you when you make that decision. And I, it's your decision. It's your life. But you leave behind a lot of sadness. And take the, oppor- the, the, take the resources to talk to somebody. And maybe get a new perspective on it, any decisions you might make. Because... You know, I, it rocked our world. Derek, it, it rocked my world. Like, obviously, it rocked Matt's world. It, we were friends for 20 years. Mm-hmm. I knew the guy for a couple of years. I've hung out with him. I've hung out with him a couple of times. I, it rocked my world. And, you know, he has a family. He has a wife. He has children. And there are resources, and I, I recommend using all of them before making a big decision like that. And I'll do what I can. If... God knows I'm not the person you should talk to, but if you need to email someone about a shitty day or a shitty experience, you email Cantrip Cartel. I will read it, Matt will read it, and I will I will listen. I'm by no means a psychologist or a psychiatrist or anything, but if you just need to vent to someone about some bullshit going on, you can gladly vent to either one of us. Yep. So, yeah, weekend wasn't great. I went up there, and I mean, it was nice to see Ashley, but I went up there and was helping their uh, Derek's family and everything with everything that's going on. So one thing that is really exciting, um, Matt had a great idea. Matt and Ashley had a wonderful idea that uh, Derek did have a somewhat substantial collection of cards. He plays Legacy. He played a lot of Modern. He's got some foiled out decks, and they are going to work on uh, turning his collection into a college fund slash trust for Derek's children. And uh, um, and I always said Derek. Derek is with the Family Gathering podcast. It's, it's Derek and Ashley. Valentine, the other the co-host of it, and Jonathan. Well, there, well, there's there's Valentine yeah. and Jonathan, but Derek's daughter Valentine and his her uh, son. I don't want to really. We haven't mentioned his name before, and I don't really okay. want to, so just in case. It's possible he said it on his podcast, yeah. but that's well, we won't say. But he does have a son. Yeah, he has he well. has a daughter and a son, along with some pseudo adopted children. But those are his those were his children, and Matt is going to get a. He's gonna turn that that card collection into a good a good asset and resource for his children, so a way for Derek to kind of live on and help uh, help Valentine and his son going forward. But it's very sad, and yep. there's no other way around that. Yep. So, in case this is anybody's first time hearing about this that knew him, I know there are a few people who do listen to this podcast that we've known for a long time. Um, we intentionally did not talk about this all week in order to hopefully not be the people yeah. you hear this from. Um, yeah, I don't want anyone to find out their friend unfortunately died. But if you are, died. you know, feel free to hit us up if you want to talk about it. I mean, if you knew Derek through this, you probably know me, so feel yeah. free to contact me. Yep. Um, but yeah, it's bad situation all around. Yeah. So, 
my weekend. I didn't. I wasn't that terrible. I didn't do as much work. Uh, I did not go up to Goshen, but I kind of lived it through Matt. I talked to him a lot, of it, a lot of it. But my weekend was okay, since we always do weekends. I got I got SAS Factory fired back up. I actually bought. We got a new server going, and Matt and I tooled around on SAS Factory. I got the first ten hours of bullshit done. So yep. now we're kind of rocking and rolling a little bit. Yeah, they've got a they they just call them like updates one through whatever. So mm-hmm. they're on update six now, which is their most recent like uh, content patch. Um, yeah. They added some cool stuff. If you're a Satisfactory fan, you'll probably very much like it. A lot of it's quality of life stuff. They've also yeah. added another. They've reworked a biome. Oh, which, did they? Yeah, I don't remember the details, but like they even said, like, "Hey, uh, don't build in this because like when we push the patch through, it's gonna mess your shit up." Oh, so, okay. Yeah, yeah, we've been doing that, but I had, a, I had a pretty quiet weekend. I haven't done a whole lot. Yeah. So, well, very somber intro. For a very sad occasion. I do, before we get started, want to give a big shout out to our patrons. Uh, we have Emperor, we have Ramblin' Rogue, Derek and Ashley from Family Gathering, Eric Monowolf, Ethan, CJ, Nate. Nate did get his shirt on Monday. He Good was deal. super excited to get his Cantrip Cartel shirt from being a patron. And Jameson, we appreciate you guys very much for helping us, helping support us, and push us forward to new heights. If you guys ever want to you know, look at the tiers or maybe think about becoming a patron, it's just patreon.com slash cartel. Uh, we do post usually 30 minutes to an hour of extra content there every week. Sometimes it's deck analysis, and I've just met a lot of it's been Matt and I just kind of chatting. But you just want to hear some more content from us. We put up quite a bit there every week just to help give our patrons. And you get access to the private Discord where we're on every day. You can, I mean, we talk about you can email us and all that stuff. You can literally DM us at any given time, and you'll probably get a response in the next half an hour, 40 minutes. Matt, that's all I've got. Why don't we see how's legacy looking uh i don't I, dumpster fire's too strong but not great <laughs> so yeah uh we got sunday challenge again uh there was a legacy pit open the uh, legacy pit open 2 yeah legacy a, pit open 2 happened over the weekend an advertised 20k i believe i saw some hullabaloo that it didn't get to a 20k it didn't it didn't cap and so there was some some of the prizes didn't or the, the total prize payout wasn't perfect, but every, but I don't think anybody got shortchanged. I don't know. What I do know is Travis Parsley, the guy who's running it and the Legacy Pit, are some of the most upstanding people in the Legacy community possible. So there's absolutely no way they gypped anybody with you know, with with any without without an incredibly good reason. We're oh. not we weren't going to talk about it because the data on that wasn't as readily available. Yeah, and like they've got like some. Um... Like the results from the Swiss, but it doesn't look like. Yeah, I, at least on MTG Goldfish, doesn't have the results for the top eight. There are some places but, I, I there are some places like some of it's available. I know that uh, Joe Dyer with the data collection committee mm-hmm. posted a big analysis of it. I saw some bits from that, so I do know that uh, in that Delver was three of the top eight, and sorry, yeah, three of the top eight and seven of the top sixteen. Yep. So incredibly high win rates. Just short of half on both. Here's the thing: relatively low meta share. Mm-hmm. Like I think it was like ten to twelve percent meta share, maybe 15, maybe fourteen, but a non mirror win rate of like fifty five point seven. Gotcha. Based on Joe Dyer's data, I know it was, he was talking it, so I read yeah. some of his stuff. So like it was a really underrepresented deck compared to the online meta. It greatly overperformed and was greatly overrepresented in the top sixteen. Oh, that makes sense. That's kind of what. That's like the TLDR three thousand foot view as far as. The Legacy Pit 2 open and Blue Red Delver goes. Yeah. And it, we've talked about it before, but one of the things to keep in mind with the paper meta and the online meta is just the difficulty swapping decks. Yeah. Now, over time, the metas will 
like veer closer to each other. If nothing changes. But yeah. there is a substantial cost. It's substantially more difficult to swap decks in paper than it is in uh, online. Especially with all the rental services everybody yep. uses now and whatnot. You can be like, well, I'm bored with Delver. And then you just return your deck to Mana Traders and then get a different one. Um, that's not quite possible in paper. So you yep. you get you typically speaking have a slightly different meta and um there are some there's only there's only a few of them but there are some decks that just don't really play well on moto yeah so like uh what am think I about like of? world gorgeous dragon anything and with a, like repeated loops that yep. you had to execute like you know multiple um, actions like you're talking about 50 or 100 actions and it just takes a bunch of clicks and stuff not like great that right now anyway but what's that walking ballista deck with. Yeah, uh, Cephalid, there's like... Well, there's Cephalid Breakfast, there's... Uh, it's the one with Oriox Salvagers. Yeah. I can't like, remember what the name of it is. There's a couple like 50-click, 100-click yeah. combos that don't get represented in the paper, paper meta, but oh. Delver, like I said, like Delver saw an appropriate amount of overall meta share, but got overrepresented, which if you listen to our podcast before, that's like we've talked about, one of the key indicators that a deck is probably too good, when it regularly only has 10 to 12 or 13% of the meta, and then, you know five decks make it to the top eight and it's like well not a ton of people are playing it and the people that are playing it are running it to the top uh i do know that it was won by grixis like grixis midrange or something it was like grixis won. it wasn't gotcha. it wasn't labeled as grixis shadow i didn't see a list but it was grixis and that was kind of cool the so just the info we have from um mtg goldfish it has 49 decks entered as blue red delver 16.61 percent that's about all we'll cover on the Legacy Pit Open. Yeah. But just to, you know, that was a pretty big event. We at least need to touch on it. Absolutely. As far as the challenge goes, uh, we've got John 1111 bringing it home with Blue Red Delver. Or is it John 1111? I don't know. Could be. That could, that could be, that could be a Bible verse. 1111? Is that a thing? <laughs> Beats me. It's I know that. I know, isn't John 316 like one of the big ones everyone always, whatever? So John 1111? Or it's just a dude named John. And enough ones to get the screen name. That's my guess. <laughs> <laughs> That's probably what it is. Yeah. So uh, I'm just going to look through these real quick. It doesn't look like there's anything really new in the main. And we got the one Maddening Hex, a couple unlicensed hearses, and a pi price of progress in the side. That's the only thing that would stand out at all. Yeah. Even though it's first place list and I like giving props to first place, I don't see anything in here that's not stock Delver. Yeah. And then the second place list is also Blue Red Delver. Uh, the main looks, again, pretty stock. Up a Pyroblast, up a Mistress Bobble. Yep. We're splitting hairs. And we've got... The sideboard even looks pretty freaking yeah, similar. Yeah, literally almost nothing we haven't seen in the past in the side. Uh, third place, we've got Doomsday. I, so, one of the best uh, one of the best Moto names I've ever seen. His Moto name like is I Would Like to Respond. Yep. Pretty appropriate. Um, so this is... It's listed as Doomsday. Hmm. It's got some shenanigans, though. It does. So this is Doomsday Blade. Yeah, Doomsday Blade. Yeah, so we've got uh, four Baleful Strix, three Stoneforge Mystics, and the one Thassa's Oracle. Uh -huh. uh, we've got two Three Fairies. Then you've got your typical spell suite, although I'm sure it's probably short a couple cards to make room for the creatures. Yeah. Uh, I don't have a, a stocked uh, Doomsday list in front of me, so I couldn't tell you exactly what those are. But you've got you know your Dark Rituals, your Duresses, uh, an unearth, uh, some predicts, doomsday, force will, that kind of stuff. Yeah, I definitely like you've definitely. I don't. I can't list the cards, but there are things I recognize. I'm not seeing yeah. your doomsday piles are much narrower in this. Mm -hmm. you, you don't have far have the, fewer options. You don't have the flexibility on your doomsday piles. 
but that gives you approximately five slots for Stoneforge, Batter Skull, and Cauldra. Yeah. So, and that's the thing. So, in the uh, to round out the list, you got three Mishra's Bobbles, then one Batter Skull, one Cauldra complete. Uh, no, okay. I was just going through the lands to make sure, see if they happen to have any Urza Sagas. Oh, yep. Just because you've got Mishra's Bobbles in there. Possible, yeah. Um, then the side, you'll love this. We've got Hydroblast, Prismatic Ending, Swords to Plowshares, because again, we've got a little bit of white in here now. Yep, so, of course. we're going to, you know, kind of play the control deck in. Games yep. two and if three. If you're going to be playing Stoneforge Mystic, you already have the option to to move into a more yeah. And this uh, is this is going to be kind of a another transformational transformational like sideboard. So like we had one a few weeks ago that we talked about last yeah. week, where the guy completely swapped what was in his deck, everything into a. I can't remember what it was. It was a non graveyard combo. Yeah. And then now we've got something similar uh -huh. where he's gone a little bit further in the main deck to accommodate this transformational sideboard, but like. All of these basically turn the deck into Stoneblade. Because yep. we've got Prismatic Ending, Swords of Plowshares, Force of Negation, then Monastery Mentor. Yep. And Savine's Reclamation. And Savine's Reclamation. Like, this is very much a, I'm taking out Doomsday, and uh -huh. we're playing Stoneblade after you bring in all your Doomsday hate. I'm going to just beat you to death with a Culture Complete. Tell you what, man, I love transformational sideboards. Yeah. They're usually pretty bad, but I love a transformational sideboard. Well, and one of the things that, like, you almost always... Not like every time, but almost always when you see them, they're in these like blue soup decks because yeah. so much of the deck is similar anyways. Yeah. So like you already want brainstorms and ponders and force of wills and yeah. like, you know, these blue white decks have played with predict before and like you already have like a lot of these cards and then you're just swapping in your the way you want to kill yeah. your opponent, whether that's Doomsday or Murktide Regent or Stoneforge Mystic. Like yeah. you've got a bunch of different options, and this is going well. I'd rather be able to swap. Yeah, if you than were pulling sideboard cards, you can run Azorius Stoneblade and Azorius Control between a sixty-card main deck and a fifteen-card sideboard. You can just have yep. all the shit and just swap them in to be like, hey, instead of you know getting a turn eight and then winning, I'm gonna try and slam a Stoneforge on turn two and bash with Cauldra. Right. And the other thing to keep in mind is you can also pivot so that this is more of a control deck with a combo finish. Yeah. You so can, it's going to play more similarly to like the Days Undoing yep. crap. You can leave just a very skeletal Doomsday package. Yep. Bring in more controlling Take elements. out the creatures. Yep. Especially if this goes to game three, that's going to, again, a lot of this is going to be matchup dependent because sometimes you're just going to want to leave them in there mm -hmm. even if you they know the plan because it's just like, well, I just have a much better matchup in this way. But, like, in theory, like, if it was, like, let's just for argument's sake, like, 50%, 50%, 50%, you could keep pivoting between those so they have no idea what they're to expect the next game. Yep. So you go, oh, they brought, so, like, you know, you get to game three or whatever, and then you're like, yeah, now I'm a control deck, not yeah, an aggro deck. Which is, like, it's such a flip of the coin. Like, yeah. game one, win or lose, whatever. You game two, they clearly have no idea it's coming. And then you go to game three, and, and it's like, I mean, it's just... Good fucking luck. Right. Flip a coin, dude. Am I am So I you going... bring in all your creature removal yeah. to get rid of all my stuff now, and then I've taken it all out, popped yep. in my creature removal to control your crap, and then I'm back to casting Doomsday. <laughs> let's say, yeah, you're a great you're a great deck against Doomsday, so you win game one. Game two, you get completely hosed because now I'm a Stoneforge deck. So going into game three, do you take do you become way worse against Doomsday to be prepared to fight Stoneforge? Or do you bank on me going back to Doomsday? It's such a it is such a clusterfuck to figure out how do I sideboard against yep. both of these decks. And one of the things to keep in mind, if you're ever doing this in paper, uh, I rarely do it. Let me. Uh, can I guess what you're going to say? 
Um, so you uh, go for it. 15 in, 15 out. Correct. Yep. You should be doing that every game. Yeah, like, you should. Yeah, on the on the numbers. And that's what what we mean like, by that. Is. Like if you were going to go to a pro tour yes. tomorrow, you put your entire sideboard into your deck and then you pull out 15 cards. Yes. That way your opponent A doesn't know how many cards you're taking in and out because if they were paying attention they could count. Yeah. And in B in something like this, if you go from games 2 to 3 and you don't take anything out, then, oh, I, yeah, then they I, know they're running in the same like uh, yeah. you go everything in, yeah. everything out to, to maximize value. Yep. And to, I mean, it's not deceiving, but to hide information from your opponent, yeah, you, because if, if I'm playing against Matt and I see him put two cards in his deck, I know his deck has changed almost nothing. And depending on how much I know the meta, I'd probably know what he brought in. Right. Versus 15 in, you put all 15 side, sideboard cards in, then sideboard 15 cards out. And I have no idea how much you kept in, how much you took out, wh- how different your deck is. Yep. It takes a little bit longer and you do have to be careful and make sure you get all the cards. Yep. It's, it's, it's one of those things that when you practice at it, you'll get good enough that it just becomes routine again. Yeah. But you do have to pay very close attention because it's a lot easier to leave a card in you didn't think yep. about or pull a card out that you didn't actually want to take. It just it increases your likelihood of making a mistake. So you want to practice that yep. while you're at tournaments that don't matter. That way, by the time you get to a tournament that does matter, you're practiced at it. Yeah. So. Realistically, you always practice how you play. Correct. Same thing with randomizing your opponent's deck. It's yep. a very good habit to get in. Obviously, you shouldn't be damaging other people's cards, but you yeah. should get into the habit of shuffling yeah. your opponent's deck. Like when Matt and I get into tournament mode, like we offer cuts every single. Like when Matt and I play for funsies, but a lot of times we don't offer cuts. But if we got a tournament coming up in a month or two, every single time we cut every single deck. I never don't cut yep. because that's the rule. So, anywho, uh, fourth place is Blue Red Delver. You, uh, Juju Bean, two thousand four. Hey, Juju. Uh, I looked at it. There's nothing really interesting. Okay, cool. <laughs> we, used all, we used all the is it yep. Delver time to talk about Doomsday. Sure did. That's why I kept going on that a little bit. Uh, so fifth place, we've got uh, Nia Depths. We're going to, I think we just need to accept the fact that Red is now mainstay hey, in this. If it's they're going to run. Blue and Dead and Gone and Pyroblast and REB. If they're going to run a Red Pip in the main, I'm a lot more willing to live with it. And a Taiga. I mean, they're committing a to taiga. a red land. Yeah. They like, didn't used to do that. They used to literally only have red off of their Mox Diamonds. Yeah. So. Naturalize. Yeah. Or Naturalize used to, used to pull them off Pyroblast. Yeah. So it is technically Naya now. MTG Goldfish finally caught up. Oddly enough, Pesageu still pulls them off. Right. Naya. Yep. So uh, this is your typical green-white depths list. Um, Reclaimers, Knight of the Reliquaries, Crop Rotation, uh, one Minskin Boo in the main and then yep. one in the side. So, like, when the card first hit Moto, people were running it a bunch just mm-hmm. to kind of test it out, which, yep. again, that's kind of what I have uh, would it, recommend and what I do as well. It quickly fell back to a well, yeah, I mean, one the, to two of. Well, the, it's legacy. It is a four drop. Yep. So it's just one of those things where, like, you, most decks don't have four four and drops in them. Like we talked about, it's a four-mana Planeswalker that dies to bolt on ETB. Right. So With like no value. Only, and, and Delver is... 15 yep. to 25% of the meta in any yep. given tournament. So, and like, it's very, very dangerous. Before anyone calls me out, I don't consider a 1-1 one, one hamster value. Not for four mana. <laughs> no. Like, it does leave, if, if you play it and I bolt it before you do anything, it does leave a hamster behind. Yeah. I don't count that. Yeah, cool. <laughs> Your 20-turn clock doesn't fucking scare me. Yeah, it does, you know, trade with a DRC that hasn't flipped yet. Yeah, uh, yep. in the never event. attacks. In the event you attack with the 1-1, one, one, yeah. Now, if you attack with the DRC and I can endure, and I... <laughs> And I go down two cards to Endurance Your Graveyard. I can then block it with my hamster. Hey, there you go. So, <laughs> Wouldn't uh, you feel the fool? Yep. <laughs> so, yeah. Uh, the main doesn't look like it's got 
really anything new in it. Nope. Uh, no, the only recent addi- addition is that Mince Kimbo. And I think it's a yeah. very good addition to a deck like this. Any yeah, deck, oh yeah, this deck's great. The card's great. Like any a deck running Taiga, I should probably look at running Mince Kimbo. Or at least think about it. Because the, the card slaps if you've got green, red. Yeah, absolutely. And I mean, we've seen with uh, Honorog where like that card is pulling him into like yes. different build. He was consistently playing like four color control, mm-hmm. but it, now it's like, well, now I'm kind of heavily, more heavily into these colors, so I'm going to tweak the build up a little yeah, bit. Yeah, the deck was definitely heavily tweaked to get a hold of yeah. a more consistent Minsk and Boo plan. I think he was running two of them, maybe three. Yeah. I think he was running two in the main and like one or two in the side. Yep. He was prepared to sideboard into up to three or four. Yeah. Good card. It is. Uh, sixth place, we've got uh, blue-white control with a red sideboard. <laughs> so Jeskai control, I guess. So you can run Pyroblast, Meltdown, Red Blast, Coslex Return. And Ruination. And Ruination. Um, I maintain that fire... Not, what's it called? What? From the Ashes. What do you think about From the Ashes over Ruination? I guess Ruination is technically what's just from better. the Ashes? From the Ashes is three in a red for a sorcery. Destroy all non-basics. They get a basic for each. I would just run Ruination. This just destroys all non-basics. Yep. Because like the in the game in the games where you're actually going to want it, you just fetch basics, so it just doesn't affect you at all. I think that's probably the best way think, to go. You think it's just straight better then? Yeah, I just think it's just straight better. Like, But I own From the Ashes. Well, Ruination's not terribly expensive. I'm not. I'm <laughs> probably not buying legacy cards right now. Yeah. I bought, I bought a fridge. I bought a tank of propane, I bought a lawnmower, and my mortgage went up. I do Yay. not plan on buying. <laughs> and I took, crushing I took a, it right I now. took a big pay cut temporarily. I do not plan on buying magic cards. But anywho, um, there's so many cards, there's so many one-ofs and whatnot in this list. I thought it was a Yorion list because the oh, like, yeah. shit's going, like the list is so like Well, the fucking long. sideboard looks like a Karn Wishboard. Yeah, I know. So we've got uh, one Snapcaster and one Timeless Dragon in the main. So just the two creatures. Uh, we got eight Planeswalkers, four Narset, Parter Veils, two, three Fairy, one Jace Mind Sculptor. Haven't seen Jace in a while. Mm-mm. And uh, one Wandering Emperor. I don't know. You should run two Wandering Emperors there. I could see. I, with with the with all the cantrips. I guess. But let me scroll down here to most played cards. Number seven, Pyroblast in 59% of decks. Yeah, but you got plenty of ways to protect it in this. Yeah. And nothing else to do with them. That's true. Because that's, though. So, I mean, he did well. He's got six. That's true. That's true. Challenge. And while the Wandering Emperor is very good, and Jace has fallen by the wayside a little bit, he still is an incredibly powerful card. So It's I, just power creep has put him more towards the middle of the pack yep. rather than being at the top of the pack. So after playing with a decent bit of Wandering Emperor uh, in Pioneer mostly, which I know is very different than Legacy, I will say that my opinion is that Jace is a stronger Planeswalker for sure now. I was kind of on the fence. Mm-hmm. He's for sure stronger. I still think Wandering Emperor is better in a lot of these situations. but well, I, It's certainly I, harder to remove. At one point in time, I was talking about, like, I think they might be close, looking at, like, card eva- like card value here and there, uh, you know, with Flash. And I, I will recant that to say that Jace is much stronger. Yeah. Although I do think the Wandering Emperor is often better. The thing I like about the Emperor more is it closes games out very quickly. Compared to Jace. Compared in, to in, Jace. In, in the comparison of Jace plusing for six yeah, turns. Uh, five turns and then a minus. Yeah. Yeah. Versus Wandering Emperor where she's putting bodies down or she's pumping bodies you're putting Gums down. Gums up the board. Like, yep. she's... Often comes down and removes something. Yeah. Very... She creates very complicated lines for your opponent because she's got flash, especially once they... You know, you have her. So, like, now they've got four mana up. Do you attack? Because, like, it makes your attacks weird. Like, it does all well, kinds of stuff. Can. So, it's a very, very powerful card. Um, just don't... Not you... 
in particular, Jake, but just don't count out our man Jace. He's hanging in there. Nope. He's still, still a he's, very good card. I'm keeping mine. Yep. Like, I'm not getting rid of mine anytime yeah. soon. Um, well, the funny thing is, it's like, well, his price has gone down, so why would I sell when he's low? No kidding. <laughs> I'd probably, like, Jace is one of the cards that I might not ever sell because yep. he's cool. Yep. Jace the Mind Sculptor. Well, and he's still f- super fun to play in EDH. He like, is. just like if you can protect him, just, I don't want to say just, you know, throw him in any deck with blue, but like he's fun to play. Yep. And like he doesn't do anything like, wildly salty Mm-mm. so it's just like yeah i'm just gonna brainstorm every turn yep that, or yeah. like hey well, you know bounce summon a thing yeah so um he's just fun to play brainstorming every turn is just cool as fuck <laughs> it just is powerful too <laughs> yeah uh the spells is everything you would expect uh the only thing you know you got supreme verdicts and days undoing the rest is just the blue white soup that we talk about every week uh then we've got two dress down and two shark typhoon um lands pretty typical stuff um, two tundras and a volcanic, and then we've got, like I said, that just sideboard full of one ofs. Yeah. Uh, we've got two pyroblasts and two red elemental blasts, so basically four of those, and then a couple surgicals, and then it's a blue elemental blast, deafening silence, flusterstorm, hydroblast, meltdown, Cosalix return, monastery mentor, uh, Savine's reclamation, and ruination. So just like, a reminder, yeah, that if you can't trip this hard. You can totally yep. put a bunch of one of in your sideboard. You'll probably find them. Yeah, and to be fair, there's only there is you know pyroblast and red elemental blast are basically the same card, and then yeah. blue elemental blast and hydroblast are basically the same card. Yeah, true. and then especially if you just want to go really weird and just go, yeah, those are all the same card. They just do different colors. Yep. Then like half their sideboard is effectively one card. But like you, the the point still stands though. You can when get away you've got with all those cantrips. You just chuck in some one ofs and you see them way more often. Fucking playing pioneer now, and I'm slamming four ofs into my sideboard because I need to see one of these fucking things. Oh, I was looking at the. You just brought it up, but I was looking at uh, some pioneer tournament results. Yeah, and uh, elves got like I think top sixteen or something like that. There were two of them, and guess what they had in the sideboards? Heroic intervention. Heroic intervention. Yeah, three, and the guy who got like they they were like sixteen, seventeen, fifteen, sixteen, something like that. The guy who was one spot ahead had three heroic interventions. The guy that once was one spot behind had Golgari charms instead. So like both the cards exactly about what I was talking about. Yeah, where it's like board wipes are everywhere in Pioneer. Yeah, and like the, you, pro- the problem's board wipe, not lightning strike. Right. I'm not worried about necessarily trading one for one, especially because the deck has a ton of ways to gain card advantage. Mm-hmm. At least I shouldn't say a ton, but like it has reasonable ways to generate card advantage. So like. Losing a couple one-for-ones isn't that big of a deal. Yeah. Losing your whole board to four mana on turn four is uh, backbreaking. Is it? Yeah, it is. That uh, that six-for-one gets you pretty hard? It does. Because <laughs> then you're just stuck top-decking Lana yeah. War Elves. Like you have the world's worst top decks. But that late in the game, yeah. When um, I'm drawing five and six drops. Yeah. So in seventh place, we've got Grix's Tempo, which we had uh, something very similar to this last week, if I remember correctly. Um. DRC, Baleful Strix, and Murktide Regent. Uh, then you got some of the blue soup stuff. So, so two of the best cards in two of the best creatures in Legacy. Yep. Two of the best cards from Is It, we'll yeah. say. And yeah, then so Baleful Strix, which is obnoxiously a good card. Just yeah. a very, very good card. And then you got a lot, I mean a lot, of blue red delver in the main. That's the thing. That's what I was gonna say. Like, this to me, like this is I like playing Black. him to Turok. Yeah. <laughs> well that's like <laughs> That's, that's like me. That's just basically what this boils down back to. Back to Pioneer. I should be playing Azorius, but I really like black. I like right. Thoughtseize. This guy's like, you know what? Blue Red Delver's a great deck. Yep. You know what's cool? Him to Turok. I feel like playing both of those. I kind of want to play both. Yeah. So. And I can play Snuff Out. Yep. 
So that's basically what it is. It's blue, red Delver with Baleful Strix instead of uh, Delver, and then him to Turok. Like, that's the deck. In fact, in, I think it's instead of Lightning Bolt. Yeah. So it's him to Turok instead of Lightning Bolt, <laughs> roughly a, speaking. That's that's a that's a yep, statement. He's got Lightning Bolt two in the side. So, and then rounding out our top eight, we've got what some would call elves. <laughs> um, so this looks like it's Fiend Artisan elves. Yep, we got four feet ar- fiend artisans. Uh, is this the new stock elves? Yeah, that's just kind of a running joke in our Discord. I'm yep. literally only throwing shade at Jameson. Yep. Um, <laughs> Thanks for paying. So us. we just we just bring it up just as poking fun. But we were actually discussing that on our Discord. Um, me and Emperor and uh, Jameson were discussing like at what point is a deck a tribal deck, and it, and kind of very much related was at what point is uh elves no longer elves yeah uh, they had posted a video i think it was one of the legacy pick guys uh he he just started the calling the deck cradle control mm-hmm. uh, it's down to 12 elves in it yep and you it's just like at what point is this not elves it's basically a mid-range deck that kind of plays some cheap one ofs in yep. order to get more mana for fiend artisan yep. and great uh guy with guys cradle so the, the way I described it, because we talked about this, because guys, all we talk about is magic, not just to you. Yep. And it's like, the whole point of a synergy deck like Elves is you're playing bad cards. Like, Green Ranger kind of sucks. Now, when you start pairing that with other creatures, you want to untap a bunch, and or like uh, like Birchlore Rangers. I guess, do you still run Birchlore? Heritage Druid. Heritage Druid kind of sucks. You pair it with some other cards that kind of suck, and it gets great. Yeah. We're slowly pulling out the other cards, and so we're being left with this smaller pool of cards that, when not supported, just suck. And so you're not running an elf deck anymore. You're running a deck with elves in it. Yep. And it's just the the question, which we are still discussing, um, is, like, where's the line? Yes. Which I think just is, I'm not even going to try to answer it. It's just something to think about. Like, and it's something we've talked about before with like uh, the difference between like four color good stuff in modern and four color elementals. Yes. So, like, what, when the, do you, what, what makes you decide that it's, oh, this is just, this is money pile, yeah. not elementals, yeah. even though it runs a bunch of elementals and ephemerate still. Right. It was that one elemental, Risen Reef. Risen Reef is that kind of That was kind of where it was like, that means that at least. In theory, has the bare minimum because now it has at yeah. least some elemental tribal. Yes, it like it has like a synergy there. True payoff. Some. Yes. It's like scraping the bottom and of the barrel. Some four in eighty. Yeah. So, just a uh, that's just kind of you know how we spend our days is talking, arguing semantics about magic, which I'm sure no magic player's ever done before. Yeah, we just we get on Satisfactory for four hours and talk about magic. Yep. And then how do we get maximize uh, copper use? <laughs> Yes, and and the way to get the most out of a single copper vein. Yeah. So this sideboard, this is something I'd actually was thinking about. I might have mentioned it, but I don't remember. I think I might have mentioned it just to you personally, Jake, that once you got Fiend Artists in, in there, I was kind of wondering why the lists hadn't adopted Archon of Valor's Reach uh, just as another target to hit because a lot of people, we used to run that instead of the second Crater Hoofed anyways. Yeah. So I was like, well, that's it's a it's a lot easier to get with Fiend Artisan. Only costs six instead of eight. Uh-huh. It does much more on an empty board. So like, if your if your board is Fiend Artisan, Land War Elf, then Archon of Valor's Reach is way better than a Crater Hoof. Absolutely, and probably the best thing in your deck, assuming you can get six mana and do it, which is not unfeasible. Yeah. The only thing better would be eleven mana and Progenitus. Yeah, but like, like that's now we're really reaching because uh-huh. yeah. getting to eleven mana with only two creatures on the board is uh, iffy. Get, so, but if you had like a land werewolf and a fiend artisan, that means you have a cradle, 
Like yeah. presumably you'd so have you a cradle, one, two, you got three. one, two, three, and you need a cradle and two other lands. Yeah, maybe a dryad arbor or three other lands, something like that. Yeah, yeah it's we're working minimum. Our, we're working our way there. Yeah, yeah. Uh, which is what happens with these decks a lot, especially in the games that go long. Is like you end up with like a hodgepodge of like the bad creatures. Yeah, because all the good ones died. Because all the good ones die either through a board wipe or targeted removal, where they're just like, yep, you're you don't get to play with Wirewood Symbiote, so you're left with like, you know, a Quarian Ranger, but not a Llanowar Elf, or you know, two Nettle Sentinels, but no Heritage Druids, stuff like just crap like that. Yeah. And um, that Archon of Valor's Reach, I was kind of curious when they were going to pop that in. They did. So then you've got Savannahs, and now since you've got Savannahs, the sideboard's a lot different. Yep. So we've got one Caracas because you still got a Reclaimer build. To uh, Barrowton Forge Tender, again, very good Kithkin, huge fan of Kithkin, so mm -hmm. basically Hobbits. Uh, one, one for one, protection from red, sacrifice it, prevent all damage, a red source uh, a red source of your choice would deal this turn. Uh, deafening Silence, two of them, for obviously Storm and other, like, yeah. chain kind of decks. Uh, Swords to Plowshares, that to me just happens, that has to be for, like, you got lands decks, it's an answer there, and then you've got Merktide Region. Yeah. Like it's, it's we've even seen Desit from the Legacy Pit play with I've seen him play with uh Selesnia Elves two by in two swords. I believe yeah. I saw him. Oh man, Jameson listens now. I think I saw Desit do that. If not, I spoke with Desit on stream about it. Yep. And how it's something he's either played with or thought about playing with. It's it's not unheard of to splash white to get swords and because that was when Prismatic Ending was everywhere. Yeah. So they splash into white to get both. Yep. Uh then you got one masked vandal, which is essentially Reclamation Sage. A little better. A little, little better. better, a little worse, actually. Yeah. It's a two-mana Rex Sage, but it ETBs. You have to exile a creature from your graveyard, but then you exile an artifact or enchantment. Yeah. So, so slightly different. Um, I don't know if it's better or worse, but it's slightly different. Yeah. Big thing is it costs one less. That's, that's Yeah, it's huge. That's the the biggest thing. Like, the exile thing is not going to come into play too often in Legacy. In EDH it would, because you get... People playing like Darksteel Forge and Indestructible yeah. Artifacts and whatnot. There's not a ton of Indestructible Artifacts and Enchantment they could see play in Legacy. But the fact that it costs one less, but the trade-off is you had to have a creature in your uh, graveyard yeah. for it to do anything. So It does get, pair with, uh, with Fiend Artisan pretty well. Yeah, it does. And I mean, Fiend Artisan, again, it's one of those, it's like it's putting cards in your graveyard, which it wants to do itself, making itself big, turning on a couple other cards. Um then you got Endurance, Mind Break Trap, and Progenitus, which are pretty stock yeah. for uh, elves lately. So, yeah. That's so kind new, of our little deep dive on the Fiend new stock elves, elves has dropped. In a week, we'll have the new, new stock elves. Yeah. And then in the week after, we'll probably have the new, new, new stock elves. Even newer. With so. more new. Yep. So, Maybe I'm glad to see elves doing well. I wonder how long before elves get his own transformer. I don't even want to think about that. <laughs> Anywho, let's wrap it <laughs> after up. You put a nightmare into my head. Um, metagame summary, Other is coming in with 9 out of the top 32, uh, 28%. Uh, I haven't even looked at yeah, the rest. I see, a, I see a Jeskai, I see a four color, no black. There's uh, there's mono black. There's which a is couple Jeskai, actually. That uh, similar list with the uh, like Shieldreds and Rotting Regisaurs we had last week, or these, the week before. These four color, no black lists are those, uh, they're, they're the Minsk and Boo lists, actually like run own. by... Uh, Honorog. The, yeah. those, those are both Honorog lists, or at least very similar. I didn't card by card them. So yeah, a couple a couple three-colored lists, a couple four-color Yep, then lists. we got uh, Blue-Red Delver with six, 18.75%. Uh, Green-White Depths and Elves bringing in three each, so 9%. And then Painter with two, and then a bunch of one-ofs. Most played cards. Force Will, Brainstorm, Ponder, Swords to Plowshares, Express Federation. So there's all those control lists plus Delver. Mm-hmm. 
though. That's that. Uh, top creatures, DRC, Delver, Murktide, Elvish Reclaimer, and Endurance. And then top spells, Force of Will, Brainstorm, Ponder, Sword Splashers, and Expressive Iteration. So yeah, that's Legacy. Uh, eh? Dumpster Fire is probably a little strong. Yeah, like I said, Dumpster Fire is a little strong. But, but it's not great. Not great. <laughs> so let's hop over to Modern. Uh, Modern, with the exception of one or two decks, like it, it's it's the same decks we've seen. There hasn't been much much movement or anything. Um, first place, uh, underscore STN underscore, brought home with Murktide. Is it Delver in Modern, as we like to... As I like to refer to it, four Ledger Shredder, three Murktide Regent. So going down a Murktide, up a Ledger Shredder. Uh, that's starting to, that makes sense to me somewhat in modern. Uh, the graveyard does get cannibalized quite a bit in these decks. Yeah, Murktide is the is the premium threat that people are attacking, and Murktide isn't the beating it is in Legacy because you can't protect it as well. So uh, moving those threats into a little more diverse diversity makes sense. And the Ledger Shredder does fuel those Murktides, digs to them, and fuels them. The spell suite is the same as every week. Expressives, counterspells, heats, bolts, considers a couple blood moons in the main. Uh, I think we saw almost exact same this exact same deck last week in the top like four, I think. Nothing there. Second place, Rakdos Midrange, much more affectionately called Rakdos Scam. This deck has kind of been taking the internet by storm. Uh, this premise existed when MH2 first dropped. The whole Grief Ephemerate or Grief Undying. It did put some results up, but just never went off. And I don't know, it just took this long for someone to really popularize Grief and Fury with all the Undying Bullcrap. Taking the Ephemerates out and just going straight Rakdos and all the Feign Deaths and Undying Malices. Um, this, I guess, is only running seven Flicker effects, or I should say Undying effects. Usually you see closer to ten, because a lot of times you'll see those Malakir Rebirths that are the lands. We only mm -hmm. have the Academy's Awakening that's a land. But still, uh, Rakdos Scam. It's got, it's like, it's almost, it's almost Jund, where it's a bunch of just, like, the best value cards, except instead of green, you put the scam package in with Grief Fury, which are already amazing, and the Undying cards. Yep. But you have Ragavan, Dothy, Kroxa, Season Pyromancer, Grief and Fury, and then the the best black cards and, or the best black and red cards with Feign Death. So, Bolt, Thoughtseize, Terminate, you do have one Night's Whisper to get some card advantage in there, because you are quite often looking at going down on cards now usually your cards are better than theirs so it's okay but potentially going down on cards at uh, least emptying your hand or at least that's at least yeah. emptying your hand that's that's a good that's a probably a better way of putting yeah, cause it Yeah, most of the time you're even ish on it's cards. even ish so you think if you think about uh, if you if you grief undying you're down three cards but you have a four three with with uh menace yep and you took two of their best cards yeah. so you're or i guess undying it's actually a, it's a five four yeah with, what, what's grief? Grief's a three two, so you're getting a four three. Yeah, but yeah, like you you got two of their best cards, so maybe good enough. And it's hard to say. Yeah, but like you said though, you're definitely probably running your hand out pretty quick, and yeah. so it's very you're very reliant on top decks, which is what I was going to say when you mentioned they were cut. They had cut down on the undying effects. I my guess there is to just make their top decks in the mid game just way better. That makes sense. Because like, yeah, they're. If that creature gets answered in any way, the uh, those cards do less than nothing. Yeah, yeah. I mean, if you don't have, and they already have to be in your hand. Yeah. So you have they're basically an A B combo, where like the griefs and furies are great, even if they're just in your hand in the mid to late game because uh -huh. you can just cast them. Bane death, on the other hand, often just sits there if you don't. I mean, it just doesn't do anything if yep. you don't have a way to abuse it. Exactly. So uh, three blood moon, two fable the mirror breaker, and then a bunch of lands. I don't see anything in the side that I'm, you know, Necromentia is one yeah. of those that pops in and out once in a while. Necromentia is an incredibly powerful card for a very select uh, couple games, 
but it's also one of those things like it's a three mana uh, surgical. Yeah. Eh? But you get to choose it, which is nice. You have to wait. So I mean, like it's pretty good when you're playing against something like uh, Living End. Yep. Hoses Living End pretty fucking hard. And it's it's also decent when you have uh, like Thoughtseize. So you yes. can kind of like, if you can thought seize them and keep track of what's in their hand, yep. then you can necromancer them and at least you're even on cards at that point. Get some extra information. Yeah. They do, remember with necromancer, they do get two, two zombies, yeah. but, but almost. That's what Fury's for. <laughs> yeah. And that's the best thing. That's that's the worst you have to worry about, I guess. Sorry, uh, thought seize and grief. I don't, in my head, they just discarded a card with grief. Oh, but, yeah. yeah. You get to look at their hand too. So you've got seven or eight ways of looking yeah. at their hand and then between, you can just necromancer I mean, the them. Po- the point of the deck, between turn one and two, you should see their hand. Yeah. And especially in games two and three, you're you're, you're playing a little more around that necromancer you brought in. The Magus, Hitsugu, Turok, nothing else really in here I'm surprised to see. Uh, third place, a new Indomitable Creativity list. I should say new. Four Archons, four Rens. Uh, this is almost the same list we saw recently where it's the Indomitable Creativity that is kind of splashing reanimation stuff with Persist. And that that card just fits so well in this deck it's three slots and three slots can absolutely matter but i think finding room to be able to run either indomitable creativity and fish it out or just go get persist or go get it get it out of the graveyard with persist mm-hmm. i think those spots make sense especially when you're running fable the mirror breaker to discard them or sorry fable the mirror breaker and prismari command to yeah. discard them you've got a lot of ways to get archon into the graveyard yep, you're in there looting which and in the meantime, just the whole, reanimating. The biggest problem with Indomitable Creativity was once the Archon gets in your hand, it's useless. And yeah. so your you know, Archons easily get answered in modern. By no means is it a, is it a foregone conclusion that the first Archon is going to win, especially if it's on like turn five. So once you've drawn, I mean, you get unlucky and draw two of them, you've only got one or two left in the deck. Like, yeah. But the ability to turn those away with Fable the Mirror Breaker and then just you know crack a persist and throw it on the yard, throw it on the, on the battlefield is pretty sweet. Um, oh, even look at the sideboard. Is there anything in the sideboard? Uh, there's cards in the sideboard. Turn to Earth. I haven't seen that thing. That's uh, So we got a new card from Midnight Hunt. One green. Choose up to three target creature cards in graveyards, and the owner of those cards shuffles them into their libraries. You gain two life. So if you're off that persist plan, or if you you can just throw them back into your back into your deck. Yeah, that's smart. And it's also, I mean... It also it, very effectively attacks certain graveyard strategies. It also probably pretty aggressively hits Dredge or Living End. Yep. Or any of somebody else's reanimator shit. Somebody else's reanimator strategy. Uh, scam. They go to yep, hit scam pretty hard and think about that. Malice it or whatever, and Und- you just shuffle yep. it into their undying on the stack. Put that back in your deck. Yep. That's actually really. I didn't think about that. Nature's claim. You don't see nature's claim very often, but I mean, well, this is a deck that just. I don't want to say it doesn't care about life totals, but they're largely irrelevant. Close. Yeah, I mean, like in my randomary deck, I would gladly give you four life. I don't give a shit. Yeah, you're like that's not how we're winning. That's buddy. not how we're winning. <laughs> I'm I'm winning in chunks of nine. Yep, you can have four. Well, and if you think about it, you're hitting even like I know it does three, but like just think about their life total. You swing four three times. They're at eighteen. You have to swing a fourth for twenty four. Yeah, they start at effectively twenty four if you nature's claim them. That's true. So, yeah, that's true. Like, even on a, you know, again, I know it does that when it attacks, so it's still kind of the, it's slightly different math, but, like, just on the numbers, you're even with a nature's claim. Yeah, it's not. Just on the power-toughness-life ratio. Yeah, so it's a good point. Very good point. Uh, dress down. Ashen Rider's kind of a cool thing to see. You don't, almost never see Ashen Rider. Yeah, that's I, a, I mean, I don't think I've ever seen it over here, but I'm sure. Not in modern. Every time I fucking say that, Emperor's like, what are you fucking talking, in the Discord? What are you talking about? It's always there. Well, to be fair, in our defense, we usually only talk about the top eights. So like <laughs> yeah, I guess that's true. He, the Emperor, good decks don't run it. Emperor does live a lot more 
uh, entrenched in the modern world. He just knows more than us. So yeah. waiting for him to start his podcast and we can be a guest on there. I, I do have bad news though, Emperor. It is kind of expensive. You do need to buy a lot of crap. <laughs> if you want to sound as good as we sound. <laughs> Try to sound better. <laughs> yeah, aim, aim higher. Uh, fourth place, Azorius Hammer Time, uh, Reality Chip, Stoneforge Package is going to include literally Shadow Spear and Cauldra Complete. You do have your four Colossus Hammers, but like those are the given. I don't count. The, I don't include those in the Stoneforge Package. Yeah, and nothing in the side either. So it's just yep. going all in um, on the uh, Cauldra and the uh, Shadow Spears and Hammers. Memnites, no Ornithopter. I I tell you what, man. I think Ornithopter is better than Memnite. The vast majority of cases do this. I think Ornithopter is better. Now, I could be wrong, but that's what I think. Uh, other than that, three Pierce, one Steel Shaper's Gift, two Blacksmith Skill. A little heavier on the spells this week in this deck. Usually you see like a Steel Shaper's Gift or two Spell Pierce. And here we've got six spells with those three Protection Spells and three Counter Spells. Sideboard doesn't look like anything I don't expect to see other than three Three Fairies. We've been seeing the number of Three Fairies creeping up in these decks a, lot, a little more regularly from, from one all the way up to three and Three in the sideboard isn't. I mean, I, I think three fairies one of those grossly underplayed cards. Even though it's everywhere, it's like I don't think it's played to its power level because Teferi's a fucking bonkers card. Yeah, that card's nuts. It is. Fifth place, is a pretty cool list. Dredge showing back up. Mm-hmm. Dredge recently has become one of these like once every few weeks. Like we didn't see Dredge years. Yeah. And now it's every couple weeks Dredge shows back up. Uh, but it is a dredge deck. I don't think there's really anything you can get too crazy with here. You might play with some of these discard effects like Cathartic Reunion or Thrilling Discovery. These like, you know, discard two, draw two, shit like that. Discard three, discard two, draw three. Uh, but yeah, like the Creeping Chills, you have all of the creatures you have to run, like Golgari Thug, uh, Narc Amoeba, Stinkweed Imp, you know, Prized Amalgam. The Merchant of the Veil is a pretty cool pickup from Throne of Eldraine, this little creature with adventure that lets you for one mana rummage and then it itself just is a pay three it's you know you can pay three to rummage that's not great but you know when you when you get red red mana to usually discard your dredge and then dredge four that's pretty strong so uh now obviously this is just the top eight and could very easily not be indicative of the whole tournament but in the top eight there are only three leyline of the voids and they're in this deck (laughs) <laughs> yeah, I didn't. I wasn't even looking so at that. So people, we, we, if that's we, the trend, people put away their leyline of the voids. Modern has moved a lot more towards targeted graveyard hate or one shot graveyard hate. Things like Nihil Spellbomb, things like Unlicensed Hearse, and those are not good enough against. Probably dredge. not good enough against Dredge. Sixth place is actually Merfolk. The oh, Merfolk yeah. Lord is finally. How's it feel to now, have this goblins is show a up? Tribal deck to have Merfolk show up and to have elves not show up yet. <laughs> Uh, feels like basically uh, modern since <laughs> what, like five years ago. <laughs> but yeah, so this new, uh, the new, where the fuck is it? What's it called? It's the uh, Voldalian Hexcatcher. Voldalian Hexcatcher, yep. So the new Hexcatcher has brought Merfolk at least back into playability. We've got 34 creatures, all of them Merfolk. Uh, um, subtlety's not, but yes, oh, the I'm sorry. still stands. I'm sorry. Yep, thirty creatures, all of them merfolk, and then four subtlety. You got four counters. You got four uh, unsummons. No, it's not unsummons. It's Aethergust in there. Yeah, but yes, this is a tribal deck. This is synergy. I mean, things like Silver Gill Adept. That card sucks a lot unless you have a bunch of merfolk and you can just pay two mana for a two one that draws a card. Yep. Like 
Um, what's another like uh, Lord of Atlantis and Master of the Pearl Trident? Yeah, pretty I mean, fucking full bad. Of lords. Pretty bad fucking cards. Harbinger of the Tides. Like pretty bad unless you have a bunch of more folk. Two dismember for Aether Vial. The lands you'd want like Cavern of Souls, Odawara, Mutavolt. What's the waterlogged grove for? Oh, it's just a draw. Just yep. a draw land. Yep. Any anyone that taps for Those blue get would do it. Used frequently in these kind of decks because they often run out of cards because you commit so much to the board. Yep. Um, it was the same thing in elves. You'd run like Horizon Canopy. Yep. We saw it in uh in Burn too. In yep. Boros Burn you, or even Mono They'd Red Burn. Run the you'd Red White Sun Baked Canyon. I yep. think it is just because yeah. it's a draw. And then your sideboard, you've got chalices, cages, some more, uh, maybe a few more merfolk, the negations, more dismembers, brazen borrower, and Kira. Oh, Kira the Kira Great Glass Spinner. Basically a don't touch my shit card. Yep. Pretty sweet. That card's pretty insane. It's a fun card in EDH. It's pretty fun. It's yeah, creatures you control have whenever this creature becomes the target of a spell or ability each turn for the first time, counter it. Yeah. That's rough. Oh, that's a cool deck. I love it's cool to see it's cool to see a lot more of these tribal decks popping up. We see goblins, we're Merfolk seeing thirteenth as well. That's pretty sweet, man. Goblins I'd... got twenty third. Sweet, 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 sweet. And then uh, Eldrazi, it's technically kind of sort of tribal. It's a tribe. But ugh, we, need to see, we need to see elves. I know Aspiring Spike's been working on an elf list pretty hard. I'm sure other people have. Yep. Nothing would make me happier. And to see elves maybe 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 twice in a month yeah, in the top cool. 16. I would love, I mean, we haven't even seen one top 32 yet. I know. So I know. I'd settle for that. <laughs> I guess I guess set realistic expectations, <laughs> yep. Because, yep. I mean, if you think about it, I mean, look at the, so we go down to 32nd here. 32nd went four and three. That's it? Yeah. Is that so? The, let me click There's on it. currently not a modern elves list Ooh, either wow. being played or capable of beating four and three. That can run a 50, 56% win rate in a challenge? Yeah. So, like I said, there's a Ooh. long way to go. <laughs> yeah. Because, like, I mean, getting top 32 doesn't mean you went 8 no. no. It means you just barely broke even. You just made the you scoreboard. Went four and, three, and that's not to, you know, throw shots at this guy. It's just. You've now made the top thirty-two. Yeah, you went four and three, like wow! I didn't realize it. I went like a four, four and three with good breakers gets you thirty-second place in a challenge, yeah. and gets your name on the gets your name on the yep. roster. And elves has yet to be nope, able to do that. Done that. Seventh place, Yogmoth doing Yogmoth things with the Yogmoth cards. Hapatra we've got the snake. We got Snake Lady, Drolf's Messenger, and Blood Artist. So two win cons. Other than that, nothing new. Yep, one children in the side. Yeah. Yep, one of the new Sheldreds in the side. And wrapping it up in eighth place, we've got Grinding Station. I haven't seen Grinding Station in a while. No, we've seen it. We've seen it. We have seen Grinding Station not in, in the I, top I, I, eight. Define a, define a while. I mean, like a month or two? Something like that. Okay. Like, I mean, not years. That's but what, like, sorry. It's yes. Grinding Station top eighting is not something that happens all it the time. It went through a phase where, I mean, we probably saw it twice in a month, two or three times in a month, and then we haven't seen it for a few months. You're right. But for Ledger Shredder, for Ragavan, for Emery, one Thassa to make the, the win-win. But again, what we talk about, though? Where's ley, the ley lines line? are gone. Ley lines are gone. Yep. People put away their ley lines, and now you've got two very, I mean, three, too, because the Yawgmoth's in an undying combo. Absolutely. So, I mean, that's, ley line shuts that off, like, yep. stops the, it cold. Ley line stops, stops, stop. I mean, what do you want to bet that next week or the week after we see Living End come in and put, like, two lists in the top eight? Yeah. Because the same thing. Living End thrives in a world without ley line. Um, other than that, nothing in here we don't expect. To, we've been seeing in these lists in the past month or two. Uh, two to fairies, uh, the removal you expect with bolt and heat. 
expressive iteration because that card's bonkers. A bunch of things that turn on your grinding station. So these zero mana artifacts like Mistress Bobble, Mox Amber, and Underworld Breach that really fuels it. You know, grinding station, putting stuff in the graveyard, allowing you to cast Underworld Breach or cast with Underworld Breach, just keep it going. Mm-hmm. Get that Thassa into the graveyard and get it cast again with the Underworld Breach. And if you're doing things with Mox Amber, it's pretty fucking easy. Or uh, Mox and Emery or Ragavan, it's pretty easy to be making mana the whole time. Yeah, absolutely it is. All right, metagame summary. We got Rakdos Midrange and Indomitable Creativity and Hammer Time. Three decks each, 9.4%. Yeah, I don't really see... Any problems. Any, as far as this challenge goes, I mean, yeah. you got three, 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 a then bunch of twos and a bunch of ones. A bunch of twos and a bunch of ones. And, and you have very, almost as many ones as you have twos. Very wide, very wide metagame this week. So, so nothing that, crazy interesting, but really good diversity. I like this nice, relatively wide, lots of different one strategies. One list in the top 32. So everybody who was freaking the hell out, yep. maybe Maybe chill. calm down. Maybe give it uh, no, And I don't one, even see four color control. Is it on here? One tournament does not make mean anything yeah but it's you it it matters it counts it does count it's another data point yes it's another data point most played cards lightning bolt ragavan fire ice fury force of vigor hey it's not all mh2 (laughs) top creatures ragavan fury esper sentinel grief dothy those are all mh2 so is archon of cruelty (laughs) so shardless agent yeah hey leyline binding is that in... Uh, That's in the most played cards, top 10. Oh, sweet. Yeah, top spells and top spells. Lightning Bolt, Fire, Ice, Force of Vigor, Spell, Pierce to Fairy, and an eighth Leyline Binding. So that's pretty sweet. Alrighty, that wraps up Modern. So we're about an hour in. We went through a little quicker um, on purpose. Some stuff's happened in Magic. Yeah, this week so far has been uh, quite newsworthy. Often, quite often we com- we, we will we'll comment that nothing crazy's happened, so here's the metas, not much to talk about. Some things have happened. Matt, what would you like to talk about first? There's, there's at least two things we're going to talk about for sure. What would you like to discuss first? The biggest, most important, the one that has the biggest implications has to be the uh, 30th anniversary uh, money grab. Okay. <laughs> so if you haven't heard, which means you don't get on Twitter or Reddit. Yep, which is fair. It's, Which is totally fair. Honestly, you're, that's probably way better for you than... <laughs> your life is way better for it, I promise. Yeah. Watsy announced a product with a 30th anniversary coming out next year. I don't know. If are they going to be available at the Magic 30 in Vegas? I don't know. We don't know. I didn't watch the thing. I've just been... I'm not going to buy them either way, so yeah, I didn't check matter. for availability. So they announced a new product, and it had all the chances to be an amazing product. It would have been so cool, even exactly how it is. So they're remaking beta packs. They're going to recreate. They're taking some cards out. They're not putting like Crusade in. They're not. Some of the cards that have been banned for culture and sensitivity or whatever reason they don't. There's some cards that aren't going to be in there. Yeah. But it's a very small number. But they're going to be recreating beta packs as if it was 1993 again. You can go buy a beta pack. Now, Matt, doesn't that break the reserve list? It would. Except they're not tournament legal. So these cards have a non-legal backing. And so it literally like a, they're not quite gold border, but like a world championship deck where the back of the card literally says, it looks like a proxy. It has like magic 30 anniversary, whatever. So you can't play this in a tournament. And I'm sure they're marked on the front pretty clearly that you couldn't play. But you like, you, it's just a pack. You can pull dual lands. You can pull a black Lotus. You can pull mox. It's all in there. So even though Morrow said literally a year ago that we have no, now again, Matt made this point. This, this isn't Morrow's fault. We, we throw shade at Morrow. I get that Morrow doesn't run everything. 
he talks about it like he does. But Morrow said, we have no intention of reprinting reserve list cards in a traditional size. Yep. Leaving, they could totally print like a wall hanger trip. You or know, like the oversized commander cards. Oversized commander cards. Like they could do that uh, a year ago. And now we have this. That'd be fucking awesome, to be honest. If I could just go buy beta packs and be cracking fucking a black Lotus proxy. Yeah. Because that's what these are. These are proxies. Yeah, they're 100% proxies. Yes. What's the problem, though? They, Matt, they have nailed it. These cards look great. They've got old border. It's in beta packs. Yeah, the problem is they're charging $250 per pack. That's a lot. And you can only buy them in packs of, like, group, groups of four. A box. You have to buy a box. Now, obviously, there's going to be people who buy the boxes and split them up. Yeah, But of as course. far as buying them from retail, like either through your game store or through Wizards, yeah, they're sold as a pack of four. That you have to pay a thousand dollars. Well, it's I mean, so surely then there these will be like seated packs. Like I can guarantee to get a power in this. No, they're uh, fifteen random cards. So, so you could absolutely pay one thousand dollars for sixty. You this is what you're doing. You're paying one thousand dollars for sixty random proxies from beta. From beta. And As, the funny thing is, I'd like them more if they actually looked like beta cards. But a lot of them don't. So like. They have like the new art on them and whatnot, yep. which to be fair, I like some of the dual land art more than the old dual land art, some of the new ones. But like it would have been, in my opinion, way more are they, nostalgic to are have. Are they using the new dual land art? At least on some of the pictures I saw. Gotcha. But I could be wrong there. Okay, okay, okay. But they have like different card frames and whatnot. Let's, but let's, if it was like a one-to-one, this is what this card looked like when it was released in beta, yeah. that'd be way cooler. Yep. They're still proxies. They're still pro that's guys, they're these are they're not pro they're not tournament legal. Yes. These cards are not tournament legal. I don't know if you can call them proxies, but... That's colloquially, that's what everyone calls these kind you, of cards. If you were to hypothetically go to a website like mainplayingcards.com and hypothetically get some pictures that looked like a Black Lotus or an Underground Sea and hypothetically ordered 105 of them for $40, they would look exactly like this. You could even, the funny thing is... I guarantee you put the back on it. Oh, give it a week, and you'll be able to print these exact cards... Yeah. ...exactly how you want them... Yes. ...and pay 30 cents a card and not... So, like... $1,000 for 60. I mean, that's I, absurd. I made a Twitter post. I don't know if you saw I made a Twitter post from us, because everyone's posting on it, and so I put uh, that apparently we are contractually obligated as content creators to comment on $250 proxies, and I... My thing was like, in our opinion, this is a dot, 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 poor investment. Yeah. It's a scam. I mean. Or, I think I said, I think it said, is a low EV purchase is what I said. This is a low EV purchase. Now, I will say, um, A, if these were cheaper, I'd probably, like, if this was 10 bucks a pack, what would be really cool would be doing a beta draft. Oh, I'd do them. That'd be, that'd That's be That's what awesome. I mean. Like, this like, had, this had all the, all the potential of being fucking amazing. It would be really fun. I 100% get, like. I am anti-reserve list. I wish they'd break it literally today with no warning. I would take what... Come pretty fucking close. I, I know. I would take literally the breaking of the reserve list in any way possible to get it broken. Yes. So, like, I... Them printing yeah. this stuff doesn't bother me. The idea, it's the idea hypocritical, them, but the, it doesn't bother me. The idea of them taking one step closer to legitimately yeah, pissing I, on the reserve list. that's actually what got me excited. I that's, was like, this is... We just took a brick. Like, if you imagine uh -huh. the reserve list as, as a, a wall... wall. We just took a couple bricks Another out. Another brick came out. Yeah, yep. that's great. And I'm like, hey, hey, I can start seeing through this. Yes. Like, because like last year you said that we weren't going to do this. We'll never do it. And now we have. And don't get me wrong. I'm glad you did. Yep. Uh, can you keep going? 
Yeah. (laughs) Can you just make them? And to be honest, tinfoil hat time, that is how this feels to me. This feels like we're going to dip our toe in this this pool and see what the reaction is. We're going to see where the hate... And even anger is going to be fine. Yeah. There, if, as long as there's no anger at that's the reserve list. And to be fair, I haven't seen any nope. of that. No one's mad about <laughs> there's that. There's plenty of anger everywhere. Yes. Somebody posted on Reddit, congratulations, Watsi. You both you both pissed off the pro reserve list people and the anti reserve yes. list people. <laughs> didn't know didn't know it could be done, but you made us both angry. <laughs> yeah. But yeah, so, I mean these these things are cool. They'd be great for a cube uh-huh. if you weren't paying a thousand dollars. It'd be so fucking cool. Now, that being said, as a speculator. I can understand why some people would buy these. Um, if you look at the like World Championship decks or the Collector's Edition decks, yeah. uh, people are already paying several hundred dollars for proxies of cards. I mean, look like at the gold border a, stuff. Collect, a gold border Black Lotus is like five grand, right? And so, like these probably will have value as collectors as collectibles. Yes. So keep that in mind. Yep. Again, I don't give financial advice. Typically speaking, other than to basically, I'm going to keep pushing people to buy subtlety. <laughs> I would say buying a collector's right. a Magic Thirty Black Lotus might not be a terrible financial idea. Buying these packs is. Yeah, uh, this is real dumb. I think so. That's now I will do the thing. Like there's a lot of people hating on because it's funny. Every all the people on Twitter are being like all of the Watsy related yeah. people are being like, "This is a great idea. It's so awesome." For like, who? Yeah. This, who's this awesome for? Yeah, for Watsy. Now I will say right. it's one of those things. Like I'm not gonna buy it. And I don't really care that much because, like, I'm not. It's like a bad secret layer. I'm not gonna buy it, whatever. But it's it is so clearly just a cash. It's so clearly this is like Captain Ahab level of whale hunting. <laughs> this is if you if you don't in your mind see this and then picture Hasbro reaching out, grabbing your foot, and just shaking until all the coins come out. Just give me all your money. I yes. want a thousand dollars for nothing. Yes. for nothing. Because that's what these are. These they're are nothing. They're they're you literally can take a, a you can take a notepad stop, stop. and just write Black Lotus on it, and it has the same tournament legal, Here, like a post-it Matt, note. These are less playable than the uncards. Sure. These are less playable than the Unfinity cards. You can cards. play Blank Goblin from Unfinity. <laughs> yes, you That's can. That's perfectly tournament legal and is pr- potentially even going to seize play. Yep. Uh, anything, any dual lands you pull out of this, don't bring them to your no. legacy tournament. Yeah, so... so. That's, I'm not I'm not raging at the walls mad about it. Oh, I'm not mad about it. I well, just think like, it's dumb. <laughs> this is incredibly dumb. I think it's a people are gonna like, buy them, sure. I think it's an incredibly low value move. I who think it's does this I mean, obviously Watsy, but like that's one of the posts that really kind of struck home to me the most was like the biggest thing to me is the missed opportunity. This was a big opportunity. It's been thirty years we're doing this big thirtieth anniversary uh-huh. thing. And it's like, who does this like, how does this bring the magic community together? All you've done is literally created a rift. You've driven your customers further away from you as far as, like, trust and, like, goodwill goes. Yeah. And, yeah, you're going to get some money. But, like, at what point do you just go, this just is dishonest? Like, it's we're such selling a co- fake cards. It's the, such a cool... That brings another thing. So there was a tiny bit of drama the day before. Uh-huh. And what happened was someone referred to, was on uh, the blogatog. Uh, which is Morrow's Tumblr. Yeah. And referred to the Unfinity cards as not real cards. Yep. And he decided to tag back and go, hey, you know, we'd really like you to not refer to cards as real or not real because it's gatekeeping and exclusionary. The day before they release the news that they're printing $1,000 proxies. Yep. Does anyone think that's unrelated? 
Like that, he he chose these uh, randomly aren't because he chooses to which yeah. things to answer it's his account, and it's not like he found out thirty minutes ago before yeah. they do this thing that this is what they're doing. Something tells me someone told Morrow, right? So like lead designer, hey, can we not refer to cards as real or not the day before they release a bunch of and because screw Morrow on this, not real yeah, cards. These not, are not real cards. They're fakes. They're not tournament legal. Which means they are not real cards. Absolutely, it's 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 a binary. It is literally a binary. They're yep. real or they're not. They are not. And this is a bin- and, no, and that binary. And that binary. My problem with stuff because they were referring to like uh, the universes beyond stuff as well. My problem with Optimus Prime is not that he's not a real card. My yeah. problem is he is a real card. Yeah, that, that, if I'm he upset had a that... silver border, I couldn't care less about Absolutely. Optimus Prime. You know what? You know what never made me upset? My Little Pony. Yep, because totally they're not cool. real cards. They're not real cards. <laughs> Neither are Boy, these. Boy, I mean, if we ever had a chance of getting a preview card, that's so fucking gone. I couldn't care less. <laughs> yeah, so. I like Magic the Game. I don't support Watsy. I mean, that's I've been yeah. pretty plain about that. Man, it's such a good idea. Beta packs, man. I How know. cool is that? It's awesome. You know, so. I, so, I would love to be able to do it, but it turns hey. out I can't take, like, almost, like, I mean, that's a huge amount of money. Yep. $1,000? That's death and taxes. You'd need $750 to do a draft. Pre-tax. <laughs> and they're all fake. Right. That's fucking hilarious. I'd pay 30 bucks to do a, like a real legit beta draft. That'd be cool as hell. So you remember they announced that for Modern, there's a Modern event at the at the th- at the 30-year anniversary that feeds into a beta draft. Oh, ho, ho. Wouldn't it be fucking hilarious if this was the beta this draft? This is the beta draft? <laughs> Psych! <laughs> You did. You won that tournament or whatever. Congratulations! You thought you were gonna draft Beta Sinkhole. Yeah. Well, you, it's a sinkhole. It's sort of a sinkhole. Oh man! You put a sleeve on it, you'd never know. Yeah. Oh man, it's such a good idea. And well, you, you can't even say put a sleeve on it, you'd never know because they've got markings on the front, oh, like yeah, the thirtieth anniversary. But editions. like, talk about reaching in to the throat of victory and just ripping Snatching out defeat. defeat. Yep. Just. Oh man. It's hilarious to me. Like, like I said, I I saw that and I got very excited. Then I saw the price and just went, oh, yep. okay, cool. So I'll never, I will probably never touch a single card of that. Nope. No desire to. I mean, just because like, I don't know anyone who can afford. I have not a giant collection, but a pretty respectable magic collection. Oh, yeah. I cannot afford this. Nope. Not even, cl- it's not even close. That type of frivolity is well beyond us. Right. And like it's like this is one of those things like this is I don't a, know anyone who can afford this. This is uh, a great example of this is the those uh those neon cards. Like the, just just going after whales. It's a bad card with bad art in my opinion, but because it's special it costs like $1000 and yep. the whales love it and that's cool. This is this is going after those whales. And I I guess I get it and like I'll also say if you're going to attack whales for their money, I would prefer you do it with one fake cards or two, let's say Stupidly rare versions of cards that exist. Hell, if you want to attack some whales, just make them real cards. You, the thing would fly off the shelves. Yeah, you can I make, would absolutely drop. You can make them a thousand dollars a pack. Right, I'd pay two hundred and fifty dollars for a beta pack. Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> if they found, if they just found some beta packs, right, and they were like, and like, we're doing a deal. If you come in, you have a chance to buy one. I don't know, fuck, like. <laughs> Shut up and take my money. Like, absolutely, I that's will, a lottery ticket. I absolutely will buy. I'll buy a lottery ticket for a uh, for a black lotus. Well, you don't. Need, well, you don't even have to pull black lotus. Oh, there's, there's so, so much many in cards. There. Like all the power, basically all any, the lands, 
any of the lands, any of the power, basically any of the good cards. Yep. Plus, there's a bunch of stuff that's just nostalgic. And it would so be like cool. So, like, you pull a Sarah Angel or Siobhan Dragon, those are also super expensive. Yep. They're not even good. And to be fair, Birds just so, since we're touching on the subject of the re reserve list, I'm just going to reiterate this point. The Alpha Siobhan Dragon, which has been printed into the ground, is still, like, thousands of dollars uh -huh. or whatever. It's because the, the, these cards have value because they are printed in such a small number well, and they are, you like, collector's items. If the... Again, if a collector's edition Black Lotus being $5,000 doesn't prove to you that sometimes these pieces of cardboard just have value by dint of what they are, again, yep. Underground C, uh, Revised Underground C is going to lose some value. It's not going to be $10 fucking dollars, guys. No. No. I said, I don't think a single if, I don't think a single person listening to us is pro reserve list. We're not. They might be. Who knows? I've met, I don't think I've ever met anyone who's like legitimately pro reserve list or they were just too scared to say they were, in which case I feel bad. That shouldn't be true. If you're pro reserve yeah. list, be pro reserve list. But I, it, I don't think these will be valuable cards, I promise. And that will just show again that like the reserve list isn't necessarily what makes Underground Sea valuable. And that's what I hope happens. Yes. And that's, Matt's right. So I'm going to be honest. I'm, Okay, so I'm taking a step away from Legacy. Uh, just personally, I'm not very happy with the state of it in that I am happy owning a Legacy deck. I might sell some of my... The cool thing about me is my Legacy deck functions actually just fine without its one Tundra. So I'm not going to sell some of my extra dual lands because this is absolutely the toe in the water of breaking the reserve list. Mm -hmm. I'll give you an example of the last time I saw them do this. They came out on, let's say, September of 2019. And they said, hey, we're doing a one-time event. We're going to take some banned cards in standard and we're going to change them just to see what would happen if we changed cards for the online-only meta for Arena. Yep. And then like a year and a half later, they we were like, alchemy. hey, good news, guys. We got Alchemy. There's going to be a bunch of fake cards. They're all going to be changeable. We're going to change them all the time. They're going to have mechanics you couldn't do in real life. And it's going to affect Historic. And it's going to affect Historic. <laughs> Which, again, Alchemy would have been fine if they didn't do that. Yep. Um, but like, I call that 100%. Where like the day that came out, I was like, we don't talk about Arena, but this is real because they're going to fucking do this. And they did it. Now, I... That was absolutely Matt's idea. The slippery slope is not always a fallacy. Yeah. And this is absolutely one of those, like, we have absolutely taking a, taken a very big and very significant step to getting rid of the reserve list. Now, like I said, my Tundra and my Underground Sea will not become worthless, but they will become worth less money. I'm not using them. I might look at moving them. <laughs> the, uh, the other thing is I hadn't noticed this until somebody else posted it. They also reprinted Reverberate again. Um, in the Warhammer 40k set, uh, so Reverberate is was Reverberate expensive? No, not Reverberate, but Fork is on the reserve list, and yeah. Fork is w at least Watsy considers printing Reverberate is close enough that that broke the reserve list. Reverberate and was red red to co copy to copy a spell. Fork, and fork is, is red. Fork is red red to copy a spell, but the spell becomes red. Oh, that's really close. Yeah, and they reprinted what they, they just reprinted the Reverberate oh. again. So, again, that's, that's not necessarily a break because you're not reprinting fork, you're reprinting that's like reverberate. A, that's like, that's like, that's, so the, that's the, like, well, I got my big toe in and well, now I got another toe. The wall of the reserve list, one of the bricks was cracked and we pulled half a brick out now. Yep. Because like that was definitely a crack in the reserve list wall and now we've taken a brick out, half of a brick because, yeah, it's, I have no doubt that Watsi will break the reserve list. It's a, it's ma a matter it, of it's when. A, it's a question of when, not if. And... These are some big steps, and Watsy in like in all reality moves quick. Like Watsy, Watsy tries something and then does it a year later. Yeah, so and I, the big thing is they don't seem to be terribly. I I don't want to say this is your warning, but they don't give warnings. No, like 
if Watsy decided to break the reserve list, you'd find out when they wanted you to yep, find out. That you would find out when they announced the 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 set that was going to be doing it. When they announced reserve list masters, that's when you'd find out. Yeah, not they're not going to go, "Hey, in 2 years, we're breaking the reserve list." So, yep. you know, technically they haven't been reprinted yet. So be prepared. So like, be prepared. They're going to go, "Hey, I mean, that's the funny thing is when they first printed Eternal Masters, they actually put in the announcements, no cards from the reserve list will be in this set. Just in case. Just in case. Yep. Because people were like, they knew the reaction to Eternal Masters was going to be, well, what's going to be in it? Is it going to uh-huh. break the reserve list? And so they put in there, you know, I don't remember the exact wording, but it boiled down to yeah. no cards on the reserve list will be printed in this set. Like, yep. so big news. Big news. Something to keep an eye on. Um, Let's do one more. There's technically two more things we could kind of talk about that'll be very short topics. Uh, the episode will be a little shorter. Like I said, we're recording on Wednesday. Same thing, guys. We're recording on Wednesday. It's late at night. What are, what are the other two topics you want to talk about? So the other two topics are there's a new Universes Beyond that's been announced, and, and I'll tell you, the Leaving a Legacy podcast is packing it in, and that's just big. Yeah. That's big in the community. We'll talk about one of those. So here, we'll do both. Uh, the new New Universes Beyond suck. So how's legacy leaving a legacy going? So leaving Jake a legacy. Jake and I don't like universes beyond its Final Fantasy, which I'm a huge fan of, and Assassin's Creed. Which I'm and, a huge fan of. And neither one of us. And this is this is me putting like my money where my mouth is, where I've always said I will not buy these. Yep. Even if they print something I like, I have. Yeah. Basically every Final Fantasy like less than twenty feet away from me right yeah, now. Yeah, yeah. There's he has. They're all over. It's all over my basement. Like beautiful metal disc prints. Yeah. yeah. Like so. I'm of the opinion I don't like secret layers in general, but I have bought a couple of them. Um, I will not buy Universes Beyond, and this qualifies. Yeah. So there we did. Yeah. There's two that. minutes on that. Um, the le- leaving a legacy is packing it in. They've got about a month left of episodes. If you haven't listened to them, they're a phenomenal podcast. I'm, leaving a legacy is probably the second legacy podcast I started listening to. I think I found the dead format first, and then I found. Are they which, still around? Sort of. The Dead Format, uh, they ran for a while. They took a very long hiatus, like over a year and a half. They just kind of like, they didn't say anything about it. They just stopped making episodes. And mm-hmm. then like a year and a half later, they popped back up on my podcatcher. And I was like, oh shit. And they kind of came back. And oh, they, it looks like their last episode was July 13th. Yeah, they haven't put an episode out in a few months. But before that, last episode, like they, they did a couple. And then before that, it was like 2019, yeah. 2020. So they're kind of back. That uh, is Ian and... Uh, Thomas and Ian. Thomas and Ian. That's a good podcast, but they're very infrequent. Uh, Pat and Jerry run Leaving a Legacy. They've been going for over eight years or over eight years. I would argue that Leaving a Legacy is a defining pillar of the legacy format or the legacy community online. They have a giant Facebook, I mean, a giant Facebook group. They have, they're hosting their eighth open this weekend. They're Leaving a Legacy open. The last one was like a three and a half K, maybe a five K. Um, they have been a, they are one of the reasons I stuck with legacy, like during the pandemic when I, like, I don't play legacy as much. I can't play it in paper hardly at all, but I get listened to it every week, listen to their interviews and their deck techs and their reviews and their meta analysis. And, um, Matt and I have always been very real on this podcast and we've never been afraid to say that we think certain things are a hit to the quality of legacy and as short, as short as that's life. And the idea that at some point in the future, legacy will die. Like, magic will die, right? Like, at some point, no one plays magic anymore. That's how it works. That's just how it is. No one plays insert card game here. What's that Battle Masters card? You Battletech. No one plays Battletech. 
Now, magic has a lot more staying power than most. Um, and I, what while that is, like, while no one ever playing magic again is probably true at some point in the future, like, no one or at least not enough people ever playing Legacy again, is is, is real. It's going to happen, probably. And I can prove it's going to happen, because look at Vintage. Vintage exists, for sure. Very few people play it. Even online, where it costs less to play Vintage than it does Legacy. Mm-hmm. So the idea that at some point Legacy will die, unless WotC does a really good job managing it, in which case it'll run, because I think Legacy is the best form of magic um, in a vacuum when it's good. Right now it's not. And if Watsi keeps managing it poorly, you can't have a kind of shitty meta or a kind of shitty game that costs five thousand dollars to play, and w- you're you're not going to yeah. gain new people. You have the the people that have Legacy will play Legacy. You will slowly lose them because of life events, because the game sucks, because they don't play it anymore, whatever. And you, but you're not gaining new people fast enough. So we have this ever dwindling um, prevalence of a Legacy community. And I think Pat and Jerry leaving, well, I'm not mad at them for doing it because they're just kind of tired of talking about a not great format. It's another nail in the coffin of, in my opinion, Legacy is is struggling to survive. The community is great. There's tons of great people that play Legacy. There's tons of great people that organize events and run stuff and keep it going. The Legacy Pit's a great example. The Buffalo Chicken Dip in, in, I think it's Illinois is a great example. There's a lot of people still making Legacy a thing, but Legacy as a whole is getting smaller and smaller. And this is a great indication of one of the longest running best podcasts is they're closing the doors. Acking it in. And it's very sad to very sad to hear. I'm happy that Pat and Jerry are making a decision that will make their lives better. They feel like they're not being them best their best selves on here. Kind of like the plane soccers. I think I think uh I think uh Jerry even said that like it's becoming a chore. Mm-hmm. No, I think Pat said it's a chore. No, I think Jerry said it's a chore. One of them. It feels like a chore. And that's a great time to stop doing it because we do this because we love it. We don't do this to make money. We don't do this as a job. We don't do this to keep the lights on. We do it because we love it. And when it becomes a chore, it's probably time to take a break. But that's one of the things. It's just huge. And again, if you're not on, if you haven't heard about the new Magic Thirty, you probably haven't heard about this. It's very sad. It's very unfortunate. I'm happy they're moving on to a you know something that they'll enjoy in their life. They're not ditching Magic or anything. They're just kind of taking a breather on doing podcasting. And it's. It's sad, and just like this whole thing with the reserve list is like, hey, that's kind of a, that's a step, guys. That's yep. a step. And the Legacies wall is not as solid as the reserve list, in my opinion. And the leaving a Legacy podcast, packing it in, in my opinion, is a step. In fact, the funny thing is, if you imagine two brick walls, every brick you take out of the leg- the reserve list, you could just put into the Legacy. Absolutely. Wall. Because I, th- I, again, I maintain that. When legacy is managed well and is and is in a decent place format wise, it's the best magic. It's so much fun. It's so complex. It's so interesting. Yep. It's so cool. It is fun playing with these old cards. Yep. The format is wide and deep. Yes. Like there's so much you can do, and none of that's true right now, and that makes it really not okay. Because like if standard sucks dick, like if you had a standard deck and then some, the meta shifts and it sucks dick, I know it sucks to lose your four hundred dollar standard deck, but you lost four hundred bucks. If I decide I don't like playing Legacy anymore and I just like let's I'm done playing Legacy forever, I'm over it. <laughs> like I got like three grand sunk in it. And I'm my deck isn't even that expensive. Yep. Matt's got like seven grand sunk in his elf deck. Well, I don't have that much. Yes, but, but that's, what, I'm that's saying. what it would cost to replace. But that's the well, but that's the idea you should For a new player. That's what should run through yeah. your mind if you're like, I want to play Legacy and I want to play elves. How much does it cost? Seven fucking grand. So if in two years I don't want to play elves anymore. 
I'm out seven grand. Whereas if I, I mean, I've thought about literally when money was good, like I kind of want to play standard. I might just drop 500 bucks on a standard deck mm-hmm. and play it for three months for funsies and then get rid of it. Who cares? Because it's, we're very lucky. We're very privileged. We can, we, right now is a little bit of a weird time because we changed jobs, but there's a point in our point in our life where like 500 bucks to fling at a hobby, case in point, this fucking room is totally doable. It's never been seven grand. Right. So doesn't mean it's an omen. It doesn't mean that legacy is dying. The sky's not falling, guys. I don't, legacy won't explode. Legacy, or legacy won't die in a bang. It'll die in a whimper and it'll just, it'll just fade away. And, one of the best, longest-running podcasts with some of the best podcast hosts admitting they're just tired of talking about legacy the way it is is an indication that we are continuing the fade, and that's very sad. Yeah, sucks. I personally didn't listen to him that much. Uh, I did when I first started getting into legacy. I was basically looking for every yep. scrap of legacy content I could so I could learn the format and, like, figure out the ins and outs and get tips and tricks, that yeah. kind of stuff, stuff. When you know nothing, I just want to hear the cards. Yep. Just say legacy cards all day long. Yep. Because when I, I mean, when I started, like you could, you, when you said coder, I don't fucking know what that, I don't even know what Nether Reliquary is. Yeah. And then people say coder or true name or, or needle or, and like, that's how I was. We're like, I just need to hear people saying legacy cards all day, every day. Yep. So that's sad. Yep. A lot of sad things on this episode, guys. Bit of a downer. So, but we'll wrap it up. Matt, was there anything else you want to talk about today? If they print an Aerith card or Aerith card from Final Fantasy VII, I might have to buy it. <laughs> <laughs> oh, Matt's scruples only go so deep. I haven't bought them yet, and I will do my best. But there may be a day where Jake comes into my basement <laughs> and that's just sitting on my thing. I'm like, yeah, might get that slabbed. Yeah. So. That's the girl that. That's the famous scene where yeah, the girl spoilers, gets spoilers. Final Fantasy VII gets stabbed Aerith in the back. Dies, okay. uh, Sephiroth kills her. But she's, in my opinion, I don't want to say she's the main character of Final Fantasy VII, but she's one of them. Like yeah. Cloud and Aerith are, in my opinion, the two main characters. Okay, well, and uh, Watsi, she's one of my favorite characters from any video game. So Watsi, if you're still listening, you know. Now how to... it would be awesome if they were like they printed like a bunch of silver border ones and Sephiroth. And it was Sephiroth like jumping through the air and falling with, with a, sword. a sword through her stomach. So you put them right beside each other. Yep. Were, well, cool. I think what would look cooler is if you can't see either of them in the art, but it's clearly her in that room and then him falling. Yeah. And if you put them like one above the other at an angle, you're like, oh, yeah, that's the, the scene matches. Yep. So, um, but I imagine they'll probably uh, get their own art. I, I can't imagine they're going to do screen grabs from a 20 year old PlayStation 1 game. If you're making assumptions on what if Watsy doing the right thing what if you... it was even from like final fantasy 8 maybe <laughs> but like well what i envision they would do what they should do is they should take that scene and they they should just reimagine well, yeah. that scene looking good but yeah um all right obviously i was just primarily joking there but <laughs> if anything was going to get me to pull the trigger on one of these it, it, it could be it could be that one of your fam- favorite characters basically my favorite game of all time. Of all time. Like, of those posters, yep. three of them are Final Fantasy VII. I've, it's my favorite game. Yeah. Derek's too, by the way. It was yep. Derek's. Yep. Um, That was a so quick story. Uh, we didn't do a ton of reminiscing, but uh, so back in the day when we were in, like, middle school, uh, Final Fantasy VII was out, and we were both relatively poor. Yep. So there was one copy between the two of us, <laughs> and we had one PlayStation between uh-huh. the two of us. And I think they were both his. <laughs> but we would take turns playing 
and he would let me borrow it and stuff like that. So what we would do, what we ended up doing, my grandma actually, who lives, lived in Ohio, she lives in Ohio. She's actually got Alzheimer's, so that sucks too. But she was super cool. So she picked us up. She drove to Indiana, picked me and Derek up. We spent the weekend at her, her house and we went to Kings Island. Mm-hmm. And that whole time when we were at her house, we were playing Final Fantasy VII. And just like we would each play for like an hour and then we would swap over and just like play on his file, play on my file, play on his file, play oh, on my file. that's kind of cool. Because like, I mean, that's what you did. Yep, I remember that. Then eventually I got my uh, my own PlayStation and whatnot and like... So your favorite game is definitely in part thanks to Derek. Yeah. I mean, our whole good. group played the Final Fantasies. Good that memory. was one of the things that made him so good. I mean, the games themselves are fantastic and that's just something like, I know they're not your particular taste, but these games are wildly successful, hugely popular, whatever. Like, but the cool thing was, is like our whole group, when these games would come out, we would all play them. And this was basically pre-internet or at least pre-easy internet. None Uh of us had the internet. There weren't guides everywhere and whatnot. So we would like, we'd all be playing through Final Fantasy VII, figuring stuff out together. Now they're not multiplayer games, but when you have six guys playing one game in parallel, it gives you like that big shared bonding experience. It's a, it's a, it's a common ground to communicate on. Yep. So. We did that with several of them. So, yeah, that's cool. A lot of fun. Well, if you guys want to talk to us, if you want to reach out to us, if you want to, if you need someone to share your shitty day with, or your someone to complain to, or someone to listen, or you want to tell us about some hot new magic, the guy how you can't wait, you can't wait to buy that MTG thirty anniversary stuff because that's what you like to do. Send us an email at cantripcartel at gmail dot com. They'll go on our Facebook page. Yeah, this is what I would say: if you're going to buy that beta stuff, sign up for our Patreon. You clearly have money. <laughs> We'd appreciate it. <laughs> I tell thousand dollars to throw at proxies. <laughs> uh, Instagram, Facebook, Twitter, all that stuff. Cantrip Cartel everywhere. <sighs> if you want to join the Patreon, it's Patreon or Patreon.com forward slash Cantrip Cartel. Matt, is there anything I'm forgetting? Uh, you, maybe, but at this point, whatever. All right. Well, we'll see you guys next week. Yep. Have a nice night, guys. So, every single episode, we've done one of these. I'm gonna do this. I'm gonna. Uh, this episode is obviously dedicated to Derek, and I think this moment will be a moment of silence dedicated to our very good friend, Derek. Uh, on your upkeep, coming to Rashad and Port, your land. God damn it. <laughs> Welcome, step on in to the Cantrip Cartel. Drinking mad, chatting meta games, or slinging some spells, casting L, sipping on blue soup, and parting some veils. Glimpse of nature once upon a time, they're telling the tale of the elvish visionaries on the wildwood prairies, where the brainstorms are so fearsome, so scary, so legendary. Queering rangers cross the sylvan libraries, where the greens and zenith would parry the clouds and turn their swords into plows. Let them rotate the crops, abundant growth in the ground. Nourish the life from the loam until it flourished unbound. Seeds of innocence burnished all the birch lorian mounds. Gaia's cradle exhaled, carpet of flowers unwound. Birds of Paradise sang, tropical islands of sound. Allosaurus, shepherd danced on dinosaurs, stopping grounds. Jake and Matt pondered deeply all this magic they found. Through their visions, thousands and serum, they saw only for how to convey these magic stories aloud to the crowds, the masses. Make the voices heard, share the truth, the magic. Through ancestral visions, they felt compelled to draw every single card with the cantrip cartel. Draw cards with the cantrip cartel. Strong cards with the Cantrip Cartel.